And the Lord is going to keep us all anchored down here. So we're looking at Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 7. All right. We're reading from the ESV. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. All right. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Let's pray. Father, we ask that we would be able to hear from you. This is your word, and we do thank you for it. Would you speak powerfully to us? Would you wake up any uh, parts of our hearts that are closed off to you? Uh, and would you comfort the parts of our hearts that are, in, that are living in fear? And so, Lord, would you do a mighty work this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I want to begin today with a question. Woo, that wind. I'll just go like this. <laughs> the wind is coming here. Um, do you ever have decision fatigue? I mean, do you ever, you ever feel like, I feel like that is very true right now, right? Like, you ever get tired of just making any decision? Oh, Lord, I feel like that's just <laughs> me these days. It's like, should we meet in person or should we not? You know, should we send our kids to school or should we not? Are we elbow bumping or are we doing the Wakanda thing, right? Like, I don't know what we're doing. There's just so many decisions here. I mean, even in the mundane decisions, like, should we eat at home or should we go out to dinner? right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to make any more of these decisions. Should we push our kids or give them grace? Like there, there was a time when I believed that, that everything I ever wanted to know was right in here in this book, that the Bible had the answer to every single question I ever, ever wanted to know. And I want you all to know that that is a lie. We love the Bible, but <laughs> not every question is answered in this book. Did you know that? I mean, it's kind of comforting to say that every question I have is answered in this book, but there are questions that are not there, like, should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Should I take this job or, or to take that job? Do I get a college degree or just go straight into my career? You know, what do I want to do when I get older? I don't know. Do I buy this house or not? Um, and, and all these questions just coming, keep coming around, and there's this ever-growing fear that we're going to make the wrong choice. Do you guys know that fear? Do you know that fear inside of you that, that, that could just be paralyzing? Do I go left or do I go right? Do, do I be a rock star or do I be a pastor? That was the big question of my day, right? <laughs> Sometimes we can't decide. Sometimes we just feel like we can't decide and become paralyzed with, like, okay, well, I'm just not going to decide. And I think wisdom... Wisdom helps us make these decisions that are beyond our knowledge, that are beyond the clear cut, that are beyond what the Bible is explicit about. And so I'm not going to tell you, it, it's not going to tell you which house to choose or which candidate to vote for or whether you should hit submit on that tweet or not. Wisdom is knowing what to do when there are no rules. And it's not just regarding morally neutral things. I mean, just because it's not specifically spelled out here, wisdom, um, it, it helps you discern the right decision from a wrong one that also could be a, a, a sinful one. I mean, it, wisdom is Gandalf when you need him. <laughs> it's Dumbledore at the darkest moment. It, it is Yoda giving you this good advice as a guide who comes alongside you when you're saying, I need help. Like when things are not black and white, and I think in our day and age today, we need that wisdom. 
When, when we, I think every single one of us could use an extra dose of wisdom, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs and wisdom, and we're going to do so by looking in three sections. We're going to look at the sage, the fool, and how to get wisdom. All right, so the sage, the fool, and how to get wisdom. All right, so the sage, or someone who just has great wisdom, uh, is the author of this book. It's a guy named Solomon, uh, who's introduced to us in Proverbs 1.1. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. And so Solomon was, was David's son, uh, and, and, and his, this infamous scene that you may have heard from Sunday school a long time ago in 1 First, First Kings 3, Solomon um, and God are having a conversation, and God says to Solomon, ask me whatever you want. Ask of me whatever you want, like a genie in the bottle, give, I'll give you anything. And so if God were to ask you that question, what would you say? I, I mean, maybe you would say something like, popping in your mind is like, oh, I just want so much money. I want to be like Scrooge McDuck. I want to take, I want to take a dive in a swimming pool full of gold. Like that just sounds amazing. Or maybe, maybe you want fame. Or maybe you want your team to finally win the national championship. Baylor's on the right track, right? They just did it, right? They're on that track. So is A&M, just saying. But Solomon says, what does he want? What's he want of anything? He wants wisdom. <laughs> wisdom? <laughs> you can have anything you want. You said wisdom? Wow, you blew your chance, Solomon. You blew it. Like, that was it. You said wisdom. But, but God says, because you didn't ask for fame or wealth or the life of your enemies, I'm going to give you all of those things and wisdom. And wisdom, I mean, it's just this, this thing that God gives to him early on, and it just becomes, it's something that proves essential in his reign as a king. And his wisdom gets tested very early on in his reign when this famous story, these two women, uh, these, these two prostitutes uh, come to him, and they're saying, this child's mine, no, this child's mine, and the king has to decide, well, whose child's whose? And the story that goes behind it is these two women who are living in the same house with one another, both have a, ch both have a child, a boy, that are about the same, about the, they're, they're like three days apart. And as, as one night, one of the women accidentally falls asleep on her child and smothers the child. And in that night, the woman then picks up her, her child and replaces it with the other woman's child and takes the living child to be her own. So now these women come to Solomon and there's a dispute. Whose child is it? Now, if you're the king, what do you do in that moment? Like, how are you going to be able to tell? I don't know who's telling the truth in this moment. But that's when wisdom comes in. Wisdom comes in when there's not any rules, when there's no clear way forward. And Solomon says, okay, we have one dead child. Let's make it two. Let's get a sword, and let's cut the child right in half. And so you can have half, and you can have half. And clearly, clearly, one woman says, okay. And one woman says, no. No, no, take the child, take the child. And, and Solomon knows, he's, he's got some, he's got this wisdom coming, coming out of him. He knows what he's doing here, that this is the real mother, that the real mother wouldn't let her child die, and Solomon knew it. I mean, that's wisdom. It, it comes when you most need it. And so Solomon is this sage. I mean, he really is the Gandalf, the Dumbledore, that you're like, I just want to ask them questions. And, and that, that type of person wrote down all of his wisdom in this little book called Proverbs. 
And in Proverbs, it feels like this little disconnected um, story or little sayings that have been written down. And it almost feels like the fortune cookie of the Bible. Like it, it, it's its own, Proverbs is its own genre. It's not Old Testament law. It, it's not thou shall not. It's not poetry. It's not story or narrative. It, a proverb is a proverb, right? It, it's short, pithy statements that are just packed full of wisdom, and they're highly practical. Again, it's similar to kind of what you would imagine with a fortune cookie, but unlike fortune cookies, they don't just say your lucky number is 8675309. They, they, they say there, there, there is some wisdom here that is deeply relevant. And so one of the reasons Proverbs are just so incredibly crucial to our life is because when you are about to make some all-important, life-changing decisions, and you have people around you just saying, decide, choose right now, make a decision, go or don't go. Buy or sell, take it or leave it. And, it. and it's in these highly stressful moments that Proverbs sticks with us. I mean, I can remember when we were thinking about, we were, we were selling our home and someone had put an offer on the house. In the back of my head, I remember thinking, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Meaning what I have, an offer is more, is more important now than the potential offer out there, right? And we decided to take a house offer based off of that proverb, right? Like, this is, it's an offer. We better take it. We sold our house based off of a proverb. <laughs> and then you guys can think of like the, the proverb, raise a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it, right? That, that has guided many parents over the years. And these statements like this, they just keep with us. When we decide these big decisions, these most important decisions in life, and chances are you've actually made decisions based off a proverb. And I would say most of us actually know of many modern day proverbs. All right, I know it's distracting up here. Let me, let me, let me, I think I can grab you here right now. All right. I want everyone to, to be with me on this moment here. I'm gonna, it's going to be an interactive moment here. All right. I think many of us know some modern-day proverbs, and I want you to shout it out wherever you're at, whether you're sitting in, in front of your car or you're in, you're in a car with people. I want you guys to test each other if you're around someone else to see if you know these modern-day proverbs. And so I'm going to say the full proverb, and you just say the last word. I'll leave the last, last word blank for you. All right, so let's start the first one. Actions speak louder than, oh my goodness, well, you guys are good. Okay, all that glitters is not, okay, here we go. Apple a day keeps the doctor better safe than birds of a feather flock. Do as I say and not as I, don't cry over spilled, familiarity breeds, okay, that one was a little rough, contempt, the grass is always, Look before you leap. There we go. <laughs> Questions that one. No pain. No. And out of sight, out of. And let me give you one more. Time heals all, which is not true. But how do you do? How did you do? <laughs> right? How did you do? Chances are you knew most, if not all of them. And, and that's the power of a proverb. Is that they, they just stick with you. You remember them. And, and, but the problem with proverbs and the problem with wisdom, though, is you actually have to want it. You actually have to want to be wise, and that's when we meet the fool. The Bible describes the fool um, as the antithesis of the wise, right? The fool in Scripture is not this derogatory term um, like, oh, that fool, that, that idiot, that buffoon, you know, that cotton-headed ninny-muggin, right? It's not that. In Scriptures, a fool is someone who is just out of touch with reality, Right? In scriptures, a, a fool is, is one. It's not saying that they don't have a, a, a high IQ. They, 
It's just saying that they are foolish and that they are choosing to believe foolish realities. And so you can be really smart, but foolish. Or you can be less informed on things and events and still be very wise. And so the proverb, though, the Proverbs talks about three different types of fools. There's three different types of fools. The simple, the obstinate, and the mocker. The simple, the obstinate, and the mocker. In Proverbs 1.22, it gives us all three, actually. In Proverbs 1.22, it says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? I mean, do you see all three in that verse right there? Simple, obstinate, mocker. Now, now typically, uh, we give more grace to the people who have the foolishness like our own, and we judge the others. Um, but we all struggle with at least one form of foolishness or the other. But let's look at this. The first is the simple. Uh, Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. So the simple believes everything, meaning the simple fool is gullible, right? To be simple is to be so uninformed intellectually that you can't discern between good and bad ideas. Or simple psychologically, that you're so unsure of yourself and who you are that you can't discern between good and bad companions. And so these simple are just gullible. They believe anything. You know, and earlier it said, how long will you love being simple or ignorant? I mean, the simple love being naive. And, and you know, at the age of four, it's cute to be that way. At the age of 40, it gets less cute, Right? <laughs> The simple ones want life to just be easy and fun and don't have to think about the complexities of of life. Okay, the second one, the obstinate fool. Typically in Proverbs, there's just, these are just referred to as just the fool. Um, And earlier it said, fools hate knowledge. They they don't even want to know. Um, Or another way in Proverbs 12, 15, it says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Oh, that's good. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And so this type of fool is someone who thinks he knows, but he doesn't know. I mean, you guys probably know people like this. These types of fools are know-it-alls, right? Like, I don't need advice. I got it. I got it. I I should be the coach of this team. (laughs) I should run this company. The fool says, I've got the clearest picture of it all. And so the saying goes, if you think you know, then you don't know. And if you think you don't know, then you're on your path to knowing. Say it again. If you think you know, then you don't know. And if you say, I don't think I know, then you're on your path to knowing. Right? This fool spurns advice. He doesn't care what others say. And they really just can't take any criticism. And so everyone is just an idiot to this fool. No one's opinion matters but theirs. And so the difference between these first two types of fools is the simple believes everybody, and the obstinate fool believes nobody. See that? Which one are you? Believe everybody, believe nobody. Well, there's a third, there's a third category if you're, you're going, well, maybe I'm this last one. But wait, we've got one more. Um, this, is, this fool is the mocker or the scoffer, and this mocker or scoffer delights in their scoffing. Mockers and scoffers, they, they don't look like fools, until you cross them. (laughs) They seem really wise. They seem savvy. They seem like they've figured it all out until you cross them, and then the mocker just cuts you up. Proverbs 9.8 says, Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. 
Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. And so the simple fool is just devastated by criticism. The obstinate fool shrugs off criticism. The mocker says, how dare you? Don't you know who I am? Don't poke the bear. They're vindictive. I mean, it's hard because the, the mocker on the surface looks incredibly savvy and with many areas of life. And, and you could think many pastors, many CEOs, many leaders in organizations would, would, would be seen as, as such. They seem like as strong leaders, but there's a toxicity to their leadership it, that, that if you cross them, you are out. And so this fool sees people as just a means to the end. They don't actually care about people, but people are useful to get what they want, and so they just exploit. Um, but once, once, once they see they have no more, no more use of you, they just drop you like a bag of potatoes. And so do you see how all three are out of touch with reality? How all three absolutely cannot take criticism? I mean, it's why Proverbs says, answer a fool according to his folly. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. You're like, great, which one? <laughs> and that's when it, Proverbs is telling you to use wisdom. Answer a fool according to his folly, and don't answer a fool according to his folly. He's trying to say, we have to use wisdom on whether we respond to a fool or not. And so sometimes it is better that you don't respond, which sounds harsh. Sounds like we're saying give up on people, and absolutely no way would we ever say that. We would never say that. We always hold out hope for people. But remember, a fool is committed to their foolishness. It's not that they just need more evidence to be convinced. They just suppress the truth. They, they just look past the truth. And so Proverbs 17, 12 says, Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. <laughs> what it says is, It is better to get mauled by a bear revenant style than to meet a fool in his folly. Woo! This is probably the interesting sermon I've ever preached. <laughs> Not because of what I'm preaching. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to keep going and assume I don't die. All right. So, but what, where, where we're at, where we're at, we're saying, and so for your own health and your own sanity, listen to the sage's advice. Listen to the sage's advice, whether you answer a fool or not. But still the question is, how will a fool ever change? How will, how will fools ever learn? And that's when we get to the last section here of how to get wisdom. This passage we read today begins with the title of our sermon, Get Wisdom. 4 or 5 says, get wisdom, get insight. Okay, great. Where can I get that? Where can I buy that? Is that sold in jars? You know, he says in 4-7, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And what have you get? Get insight. Okay. So the beginning of wisdom, here's the path. Here's how we get wisdom. The first few steps, you just go around the corner, you turn left, you can't miss it. You ready? Here's how you get wisdom. Get wisdom. I, I know you're saying that, but I don't understand what you're trying to say. J just get it. <laughs> it's not helpful. <laughs> this is circular reasoning happening right here. To get wisdom, I just have to get it. Great. He's saying you want it? Come and get it. What this means is desiring wisdom is a choice. If a fool loves their foolishness, it means they don't want to know the truth. And the wise want to know it. They, they, 
The fool rather would rather take the blue pill and just enjoy their ignorance. I mean, it's like earlier this week, Robert Callahan, wherever you're at, asked me if I ever watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. And I said, no. And for the same reason, I didn't want to watch Food, Inc. or Super Size Me or any other documentary that made me have to change my ways. <laughs> I didn't want to watch it because I knew what it would make me do. And so it was because I wanted to stay and be happy in my own foolishness. I don't want to change. And so how do fools like us ever change? What changes the internal desires of our own heart? Well, earlier in the book, he says the beginning of wisdom, and he says it a little bit differently. In 1-7, he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom instruction, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so fear does not mean fear in the sense of like that you should have a healthy fear of the creature of the Black Lagoon. He's not saying that. He's saying fear as in reverence. Fear of the Lord is something that there's something bigger than me out there that I can listen and trust that. It means wonder, wonder at the Lord. And to, and to, to the degree that you actually wonder Will you ever grasp your own foolishness? It's when you realize that you're not at the center of it all, that there is a limit to your own knowledge, that your pride drops, and now you're seeking out advice and other ways of thinking. Proverbs 30 gives us a, pa- a picture of someone like this. Proverbs 30 is about a guy named Agur. In 32, he says, surely I'm too stupid to be a man. <laughs> I am too stupid to be a man. Great, I would love that on my, my, my gravestone, right? But he said that because he saw how awesome and majestic God was and rightly saw that giant chasm between God and between the creator and the creation. And it's in those moments that we can either sink under the, the weight of that enormous gap. Like, how will I ever bridge that gap? I can't. Or we see that Jesus saw our condition and bridge the gap between God and man and us. And so some may call that foolishness, but to us, that is everything. The realization is like an ant realizing that he's not an elephant. I mean, I thought I was big stuff. How will I ever come back from this shocking realization? And, can't, and, and we could become depressed by that realization. Or we could see out of, out of God's great love for us that he, Jesus died in our place to give us connection to God. And he doesn't view us like an ant, but as sons and daughters. And it's the ultimate form of wisdom to accept his offer of salvation. Because when we put our hope and our faith in him, we're admitting, I can't do it. We're admitting, I need help. I need intervention. I mean, is that you? Do you have a hard time asking for help? I mean, that's, that's foolishness if we don't. Reach out. Reach out to Jesus. He longs to deliver you. He longs to deliver on his promises. If you've, if you've never put your hope and faith in him, get wisdom. Get Jesus, who is wisdom. Later on, Jesus tells us that one greater than Solomon is here, and that's him, Jesus. Place your hope and your faith in him. Get wisdom. And when we do, making choices doesn't seem to become as overwhelming. Just do something. Make a decision. <laughs> sure, there, some, there are some guardrails on our decisions here. Ask yourself, you know, 
why do I want choice A versus choice B? Does choice A lead to sin? Is there some selfish reason, some greed, or some other sin behind that? Does, does choice B love God and love others? Then maybe that's the path I should be going down. But outside of those guardrails, God loves you, and he will work through your emotions, through opening and closing windows of opportunity, and so you don't have to fear. I mean, are you sinking under the weight of this unbelievably heavy decision that God's placed on you? It's okay. God loves you. See the love poured out on you for you at the cross. You've got receipts for years of his love for you. And so it's not, he loves me, not, he loves me, not, he loves me, he loves me, not. It's, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And I think a lot of us are just afraid of making that wrong decision. What if this puts my life on the wrong trajectory? What if this ruins everything? That is fear. And perfect love casts out fear. Are you placing more wonder and trust in you than in the God who created you? Let his perfect love cast that fear out. Let his perfect love cast those fears out. And so whether I have to choose left or right, whether I have to choose, do I vote for him or for her? Should I say yes to this decision or should I say no? Don't be a fool. Go to Jesus. Fear the Lord. Wonder at his great love for you. And then move outward and into that love. Let's pray.